All right, guys. Man, where's the guys tonight? Man, are there any hiding over here? I don't think so. Man, it is like packed over here, and then it's like one row of guys. So anyway, I don't know. Yeah, fellas, you got to bring in some guys. But anyway, I am super excited to be with you guys tonight and to be jumping back into our Dr. Luke sermon series. It's been a, a minute, you know, I kind of doing it one, and then I go a couple months, and then I do another one. So, But I am just really, really excited to be with you guys. It's an honor to bring the word to you, to be sharing with you awesome people. And I'm excited for what God's going to do tonight. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive in. Father, I just uh, give this night over to you, Lord God, and I just pray that you would increase Jesus and that I would decrease, that you would be glorified in this place tonight. Have your way and open our hearts to hear from your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to start a little bit different than I normally do. I was reading this book, and I came across a story. The author, he had a friend, and she had this experience. She had been sick in her body for a very long time, and then God miraculously healed her. And she sent the author this email, which he reproduced, which I'm going to read for you guys to start off. Just recently, I realized that I lost the desperation that I used to seek God with before God healed me. I remember depending on every word, every breath from God to sustain me. I stormed the gates of heaven to hear from him, to hear hope, strength, peace, something that would assure me of his presence and keep me going. My need was so great, and I realized that he alone could meet my needs. I still know this, but I've become less dependent upon him. I recently had to repent. I don't necessarily want another tragedy in my life to draw me back to that desperation, I certainly know better, but I know difficult times reveal one's dependence on God. In some respects, I think my quiet times with God were richer then compared to now. It's different. Less intense is really the only way I can describe it. And so how many, this woman basically, she's describing a a season in her life where she was absolutely Desperate. How many of you guys can relate to that? Where you've had seasons in your life, yeah, put your hands up, where you have just been absolutely desperate. Who wants to, so you guys have raised your hands. Somebody raise your hand and tell me what a, a definition of desperate is for us. All right, Charisma? Willing to do anything to get well, I like that. That was great. Somebody else want to throw one out? One of the fellows? No? no? That was awesome. All right, I have on the PowerPoint Miriam Webster's 2B definition. And it is involving or employing extreme measures in an attempt to escape defeat or frustration. Charisma was along those exact same lines. Or just to say it one more way, it is when you have used up all of your good options and you are almost at the point of no more hope. And I say, why am I saying all this? Because in our story tonight, we are going to be encountering two desperate people. And I think we're going to learn something from it and hopefully be changed. So the first one is a man, and the second one is a woman. And their stories are actually parallel. There's a lot of similar aspects in both of them. And in fact, the woman's story actually interrupts 
the man's story. So, with all that being said, and also this story, it, it answers a question. Maybe some of you guys have had this question as well, and we're going to be talking about it a little bit. What does God require from us before he will act on our behalf? What does God want from us before he will do something for us? How many of you guys have ever wondered that before? What do I need to do? A couple of you. So we're going to be looking at that question tonight. All right, so hopefully you guys have your Bible. We're picking up where Mr. Jeremy left off in verse 40. So it says, And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue. And he fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. All right, so a quick recap of what we just read. I know we're not far, but there's this massive crowd, and they're just waiting for Jesus to come back from the country of the Gerasenes, where he was last week when he healed the naked, homeless man, demon-possessed man that Jeremy talked about. So this crowd is just waiting for him, and Jairus is in the crowd with them because he desperately needs Jesus's help. And just from these two verses on Jairus, it's very easy to see why he's desperate. Let's look at a couple of the reasons. One, we can tell from the verses he was desperate because he's waiting on Jesus among this massive crowd. He's just, you know, not like he has more important things to do. He's just hanging out because he's waiting on Jesus because he needs him. Two, he fell at Jesus's feet. Third, his daughter was, third, thank you, was his only child. Fourth, she was very young, only 12 years old. And then lastly, she was on the brink of death. Somebody say desperate. And so it said in the verse that Jairus was an official of the synagogue. And so this meant he was a prominent member in the Jewish community. And so that's what makes number two pretty significant because an important person isn't just going to go fall on the floor at somebody's feet. That's a pretty humbling thing to do. And also, we know uh, because he was a prominent member, that meant he probably, or we know the Jewish leaders and Jesus did not always get along, right? You guys know that. In fact, sometimes their relationship was downright hostile. I mean, they were at each other, well, they were at Jesus' throat a lot of times. And then also, remember our definition of desperate. It's the last hope or option once you've tried all the good options. So when, when we or one of our family members is really sick, What's the first thing that you guys do? Pray, okay. The hospital. You go to the doctor, okay? So you know because Jairus had a little bit of money. Prayer is the right answer, by the way. But, um, but you know Jairus had a little bit of money, so you know he had the doctor come by and look at his daughter. But the doctor couldn't help him. And it was also it was clear to Jairus that this was not just the case of the common cold because he told Jesus that she was dying. The man was desperate. Amen. All right, so let's go ahead and meet our second desperate person. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him, and a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, 
and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. So the word hemorrhage in the NASB, which is what I'm using, it just means flow of blood. That's how the New King James translated it. So this woman had a bleeding problem. She was constantly bleeding. And so the Gospel of Mark includes records this same story that we're looking at tonight. And actually, it records it the most in-depth out of any of the Gospels. So I want to read one verse from the Gospel of Mark to give us a little more information on this woman. It says, She had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. So, it's really easy to see why this woman is desperate as well. Here's a couple reasons again for you guys. She had had this problem for 12 years. How many of you guys are 12 years old? Raise your hand in this place. Okay, so as long as you have been alive, this woman has had this condition. And also, you remember that Jairus' daughter was 12 years old as well. So that means that at your age, right now of 12, you are about to die. So that's pretty scary stuff, isn't it? Pretty scary. Second, this problem made her ceremonially unclean. Now, this was a big deal because she lived in a Jewish society. And so that meant whenever she went out in public, she had to yell at the top of her voice, unclean, unclean. So and she had to keep saying it so people would know not to touch her because if they touched her or even something she had touched, then they would become unclean themselves. And that was a big deal in the Jewish society. So this completely cut her off from public life. Third, she had been treated by many doctors and suffered under their care. I guess Luke didn't include this since he was a doctor himself, and so this kind of reflects poorly on the medical profession. But so you didn't want to add, I don't really want to say that. So, but she'd actually suffered under their care, so something there didn't quite go right. She was now broke. It says she had spent all she had. She got nothing, not a penny. And lastly, she was getting worse. So how many of you guys would be desperate for Jesus if you were in that situation? I would too. Come on. But I just love the power of Jesus that is displayed in this story. The medicine of the day was tapped out. I mean, there was nothing else they could do. Yet all it took was a single touch just of Jesus' garments, not even his hand. He didn't pray for her. Just the, just the touch of his garments, and she was immediately healed. That's powerful. Say, come on, Jesus. All right, let's go to the next one. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. So the question I have at this point in the story is why did Jesus stop when he was on an urgent mission? I mean, Jairus' daughter was dying, and it was urgent, like we'll see in just a minute. So why did he stop? Now, I'm not going to tell you the answer. because, And that's part because there's not a definite set answer to this. There are multiple valid interpretations. The commentaries don't agree. 
But this is kind of questions that will come up as you're reading the word. And I want you guys to get some practice interpreting the word. So I'm just going to open it up for you guys. Raise your hand and tell me a reason. I want you to make sure you guys are with me. You guys have been quiet. You're so good. I hope that means you're engaged. So why do you think, Kayim, that Jesus stopped? So you think Jesus was tapped out? You think he couldn't go heal? Okay. Yeah, he noticed. Because absolutely, in the story he said, power went out. So he noticed, okay, something just happened. But, you know, he could have been like, sometimes, you know, if you're walking down the hall in school and then, you know, something happens, you just keep going. I got to get to class. I don't have time for this. But Jesus, he was like, nope, hold up. Stop everything. So why did he do that? Um, Charisma, your hand was up first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Natalie. He wanted to make an example out of her faith. Girl, you're so good. That yours was good too, Charisma. Anyway, any other thoughts? I want you guys to think about it. Those are all great answers. Great answers, guys. All right. So let's keep going. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him, and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So Jesus' statement, exactly what Natalie was just talking about, this really gets at the heart of tonight's sermon. And it goes back to that question I asked you guys at the start. What does God require from us before he will move on our behalf? And the answer is faith. There's a statement on your handout, and here's the fill-in for you guys. Great desperation can result in great faith. You see, a woman, she was desperate. She had spent the past 12 years of her life suffering from this condition and she was now broke. She, and she had probably resigned to the fact that she was going to die an early death from her condition. But the Gospel of Mark says, after hearing about Jesus, and then she went after him. She fought her way through the crowd, determined just to touch his garments, because she believed that if she could just do that, it would be enough for her to be healed. You see, her situation was, it was not a good situation at all. But rather than letting that desperation hold her back, she decided to let it give her a heightened level of faith, an even greater level of faith, so that when an opportunity for freedom presented itself to her, man, she went after that, and she was not letting go. Amen. So... Let's go ahead and now see what happened to our man Jairus. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, do not be afraid any longer. Only believe and she will be made well. Now this is why I said that great desperation can result in great faith. It's not a guarantee. There are some desperate people who don't have faith. And Jairus, when he was confronted with this news, he had a choice to make. Because things had just gone from bad to worse for him, right? 
I mean, he believed that Jesus could heal his daughter, but now the situation was calling for an even greater level of faith, a resurrection from the dead. And he could have let desperation kill his faith and surrender to hopelessness. In fact, that's what the messenger encouraged him to do. He said, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter's dead. There's nothing he can do. Just come home and mourn your loss. But Jesus told him, only believe. And Jairus, I mean, I think, I, I hope I would have done the same thing in his shoes because he had nothing to lose. His daughter was already dead and everything to gain. Maybe Jesus can help me. And so he continued to walk in faith. And let's see what happens when he did. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the girl's father and mother. Now they were all weeping and lamenting for her. But he said, stop weeping, for she has not died but is asleep. And they began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. Here's a fun fact for you guys. This is one of only two times in the Bible where real people are specifically recorded as laughing. And the other time is in the Old Testament with Sarah when she was getting the news, the promise from God that she was going to bear Abraham a son. And an interesting kind of connection point is that both of these stories are dealing with the subject of faith. Now, both of them are kind of in the disbelief stage at this point, but overall, it kind of fits into that category of faith. But it's also really good that this is included because when you guys decide to start walking in faith, you're going to be met with resistance and even mockery from others. You will say things and people will think you are as crazy as someone calling a dead person, they're just sleeping. They're just taking a little nap. I mean, if you think about it, the stuff Jesus said was kind of wild. I mean, she was dead. And he's like, oh, she's just asleep. I mean, it's kind of understandable why people were laughing. But I just want to encourage and challenge you guys. Don't let that deter you because it didn't stop Jesus. Amen. And when you guys do decide to walk in faith, amazing stuff can happen. Let's check it out and see. Finish out our text from Luke. He, however, took her by the hand and called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned. And she got up immediately, and he gave orders for something to be given her to eat. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. All right, so that brings us to the end of our story. But I hope you guys know that... Uh, uh, Bible, the stories in the Bible are not just you know, cute little stories, nice bedtime stories, that they're actually meant to teach us something. Amen? Amen? You guys awake? All right, good. Uh, so now I doubt that any of you guys in here tonight fit exactly uh, the case of Jairus or our two ladies. But I believe that some of you in here tonight are desperate. And it could be desperate for anything. Desperate for a touch from God. Desperate for a situation to change with your friends or family. Desperate for healing in your body. Desperate for love. Desperate for joy. Desperate for peace. 
desperate for hope or any other thing that it could be. And if that's you in this place tonight, I have good news for you. There is a man named Jesus who is able to provide exactly what you need. And the only thing that he requires from you in order to move on your behalf is faith. And sometimes, guys, I know that, that walking in faith can be the hard, a hard thing to do, especially when all you want to do is to cry and give up. But I want to encourage you guys with what Bob Sword said, and that's on your handout. Hardship produces desperation, which in turn produces intense intimacy. You see, in whatever situation you're currently desperate in, it is likely the product of some sort of hardship in your life. You're going through something that's difficult. But like in our story, God doesn't leave us just to deal with this on our own. In fact, it's the exact opposite. God in his love will allow our hardships to bring us to the place where we're desperate enough to stop going to all the substitutes and where we're ready to turn to him. You see, in our story, guys, it wasn't until Jairus' daughter was on the brink of death that he finally decided to go and see Jesus and really seek him out. It wasn't until Our Lady had spent all that she had and been suffering from this for 12 years and had been to all the doctors and tried all the medicine that she finally came to Jesus and said, I need you. And when, guys, when you do that, he is ready to step into your situation and fix what's going on. His plan isn't for us to suffer, but he will allow that and use it to take us to where he wants us to be in our relationship with him. And uh, guys, there's no formula to this, but if you're out there tonight and I'm, I'm speaking to you and you want some practical things of what to do, real quick, I'm just going to give you four things and they're on your handout, some ways to grow or walk in faith. First of all, hang around people who have a lot of faith. This could be your peers or it can be people who are older than you. Secondly, Start each day by declaring that you trust the Lord. Third, read about the lives of great men and women of the faith. This can be through the Bible, the Word of God. You can read about their lives. Or we're doing Heroes of the Faith right now in the main. And there could be one of their lives spark you. You can get a Christian biography. And lastly, channel your desperation into intense intimacy and faith. Our desperation, those, those emotions are powerful, guys. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And they can be a destructive things if we'll let them. But I want to just encourage you guys, take those emotions and channel them. Pour them into going after God. And the greater the struggle you're dealing with, let that double the size of your faith. Amen. So if everyone would close your eyes. If I've been speaking to you tonight and you're like, Tony, you are, you're talking to me. I am so desperate. I'm so weary with what I've been dealing with. But you realize tonight that, that God, all you need to do is have faith that Jesus can move on your behalf and he'll do it. If that's you tonight, would you just throw your hand up boldly, all eyes closed. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you. All right, you can put it back down, guys. So, Father, I just lift up these hands to you.
and pray that you would strengthen them, Father God, to walk in faith, that they would put these things into practice, Lord God, and I just pray that you would move mightily on their behalf and that you would have your way in them, and that they would be an encouragement to other people, that they will be able to testify and say, God got me through this. He can get you through it too, and that will bear much fruit in their life. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen.